Bradford sets off upfield. He wants a speech that'll run onto it. It might be the quickest. Oh, he kicks. He kicks ahead. And now Corey Oates will come. Oh, Oates with the one-handed pickup. How about that? Asako in behind them. He's confused. He didn't know whether to kick or whether to run. He takes the runner option. Jermaine Asako will score. Broncos fans and welcome to the round one review and round two preview episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch and I'm joined online by our good friend Simo. How are you doing, Simo? Uh, yeah, not too bad. How about yourself? Mate, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm feeling bad for the listeners that I haven't sorted my microphone out yet for this at-home situation, but I assure you I ordered one, but I've got the postage slip today, so I have to find some time in the next, I don't know when, to pick it up. Yeah. Anyway, posties let you down. They do, mate. They do. They never knock on the door. There was someone home all day, but whatever. <laughs> uh, oh. Anyway, mate, how was uh, how was touch for you today? Yeah, no, easy win as always. But uh, I think we had like it was like seven two at half time, and we ended up winning nine four. But we we're just chucking the ball around, having a having a grand old time. So <laughs> yeah, it was a good good fun game. Good to hear. We um all the teams we play against they've always got like all these set plays and we just tell them we've got thirty eight set plays and they're all called the razzle dazzle. <laughs> just let the ball sing, mate. Let the ball do the talking. <laughs> let it dance. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. let's um. So we if you haven't picked up yet, we're kind of dropping the even the fake commitment to doing a review every week. It's just honestly we're not even gonna lie to you. Just too much effort with um. With just how much, how many times we're produced throughout the year, I've got another podcast to do as well. So essentially, the format for the rest of the year will be: don't expect the review episode. You'll get a review slash preview once a week. But also, if we do feel like it, you know, every now and then there's sometimes we have such a good win that we feel like talking about it. We might throw in a few bonus reviews throughout the year. Oh, like for example, this weekend if we win by heaps, you know, we're doing a drunk podcast Friday night, and then we're doing another one Saturday afternoon, like. We'll get a couple yeah. of reviews in if we beat the Cowboys well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if we if we win this weekend, there's very high chance of us doing a review because of the Cowboys game. But if we put like 40 on the nights in some week, that's something about it. You know? I mean, if we put we put 40 on the Cowboys, we might do that thing where we'll all sit down together and, like, co- commentate over the game and watch just watch the game together. But <laughs> <laughs> we should just drop a podcast that's uh, just the audio of the game again. Just, this is what we should do. <laughs> uh, do that. I mean, uh, yeah. Just, just, I'd listen to that on repeat at work, you know. <laughs> Sounds good, eh? Anyway, let's get into it since we've got so it's lots to get over. We'll start with the news, then we'll uh, do the review of the Storm game and the preview of the game. Anyway, first up in the news, uh, the first thing I thought was uh, not, not a great article headline, but 
the Lockyer legacy that Anthony Milford wants to emulate. Now, I don't want Milford to be the next Lockyer, any of that rubbish, but there was just some in- interesting quotes in this story that came out, which is about essentially about Milford, uh, the, the evolution of the man, talking about how this weekend, and in general, he's looking at betting more involved in, in close games. And some of the quotes he said, you know, the big thing I've learned, I'm trying to put in my game at the moment, is to be calm in every situation, whether it goes good or bad. If I stay in the good mindset, I know it will pay off in the end, whether it be the first, you know, or the last, or the sorry, first ten minutes or in the 80th. Uh, and he goes on to talk about how he wants to be better in small moments with uh, Lockyer, blah blah blah. Anyway, I bring this one up because two or three days ago as well, the, the re- absolute reverse came out from our halfback. We talking about how much he just wants to win the big game, like win by heaps. That's <laughs> the mentality. I'm supposed to be steering the team around. Yeah, it's just, it's night and day, really. Um, and, I mean, you can see that in how they play, too. Like, you know, one's happy to be the biggest flat-track bully there is since Mitchell Moses. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it quite interesting that both these articles came out in the same week, really, and kind of say the complete opposite <laughs> about the two halves. They do. I mean, it, it typifies the mentality of Nick Arima, for example, is that we know he's a great half and we're winning. But, yeah, in those tight games, he's not not to be seen. And then we kind of lean on Milford too much in those tight games. And you may not come up trumps, but we lean on him. But, like, you think of, like, probably Milford's greatest plays, that field goal in the Cowboys game. Yeah. Like, Nick Arima is never coming up with something like that, let alone the one where he put Roberts away for, you know, Nicarim is not coming up with any of that sort of stuff ever. No, he's not. And I mean, he's um, I could, I would never back him to kick field goal in my life. I don't. Think. I mean, like Osako is obviously the, the taker or Milford, but man, I would, I have zero faith in Nicarim kicking a field. I'm not sure he'd get over the sticks from yeah. I mean, he'd just put up a midfield bomb. Yeah, yeah. He'd be <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, he'd have to turn around to put up a midfield bomb, but he'd still manage to do one. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Anyway, in the rest of the article, Milford goes on to talk about how much he loves playing for the Broncos. Wasn't ready for the expectations that come with the Broncos, but, you know, he's used to it now. But anyway, move on to the next bit of news. Again, not really much news, but interesting quotes. It's an article about Jermaine Sarko talking about how he uh, he's idolised the toolbrush as Sheck. But in the middle of that article, there's some Darius Boyd quotes, and I found these quite funny. Anyway, Darius Boyd said, kids are getting bigger, stronger, and faster these days. There's a lot more to uh, fullback barking orders and setting up plays. He said, well, Jermaine has all the attributes now. I think there are benefits to learning as a two- or three-year player in a position like wing where you can hone your skills. Then when he gets the opportunity to play a position like fullback, that is more tactic, be more experienced, he'll be a lot more ready for the ball. So, Simon, that's like a man scared. <laughs> I mean, it's just very convenient that we've got a great fullback locked up for the next three years, really, that, you know, Jermaine can just sit out there and just learn the position. Yeah, as Boyd says, you need a lot of experience. You know, it takes time. It's very taxing. It takes a lot to get ready. You know, Boyd, that's what Boyd's saying. But no fear at all in those words from Darbs. <laughs> oh. I like... <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> oh, no, what do you say? <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I mean we'll get onto Boyd in a bit, but yeah. that's a laugh, really. Well, the, the best fullback of the last 20 years, Carmichael Hunt, is fullback at 17. So, I mean, where did his experience come from? <laughs> yeah, I mean, where's Carmichael? Can we sign him up and get him back at fullback? 
Yeah, mate, you can't be that, you can't be that bad. Losing his hair is very depressing, though. Kamala Khan with your receding hairline. I don't like it. I mean, can't be worse than you know, Darius Boyd, so, you know. <laughs> no, it can't be. Anyway, and also other bits of news, probably get to it in the preview, but obviously we've lost uh, Matt Lodge with that, that tackle on Cam Munster, so he's out for two games with that suspension. Anyway, we'll move on to the review of the Storm game. So Thursday night at Amy Park last week, uh, the Melbourne Storm 22 defended the Brisbane Broncos 12. Uh, tries for the Storm. One for Jerome Hughes, one for Curtis Scott, then one each for the Bromwich Brothers, one for Kenny, one for Percy, and two from four with the boot. And for us, a double for Corey Goats and two from two from the boot from Jermaine Sarko. And what I thought was like a scoreline that kind of flattered, not us, but deceived with how well the Storm played. Yeah, I mean, this game went pretty much how I, you thought it was going to go. Like, yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. That's the storm. What I think you said we'd beaten them like four times in the last X no like heaps since, of years since the grand final in 20, 2006 We beat them four times. So that's what thirteen years or something. Yeah, and they haven't lost years, round maybe. one under Bellamy. Yeah, so like it, it is what it is. You just got to like you know take your turn losing to the storm <laughs> in round one, and then <laughs> then hope you don't have to do it for fifteen more years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the positive is that that's kind of out of the way. And also, like, the fact that they dominated so much and they were, you know, with, the, with 10 or so to go, we were actually, what, four points down with 15 minutes to go? Yeah, and like, then Darius Boyd, you know, had to get involved. <laughs> and did. by get involved, I mean not get involved. Not get involved. <laughs> exactly, mate. He he bought that dummy because he wanted to believe he was he didn't have to tackle Bromwich, didn't he? He just had oh, to tackle Jesse. <laughs> Classic, classic David Peachy move right there. Just go for the dummy every time. Yeah, that's um, it. Oh, what a tragedy. I missed the big guy running at me. He's like, oh, mate, kids are just bigger, faster, and stronger these days. You've got to get out of the way of them. <laughs> so much more to fall back than just barking orders and setting up plays. You've got to take the dummy. You've got to be thinking all the time. You've got to be like, out of the way. How do I avoid contact here? How do I... How do I not get murdered in Melbourne? Um, yeah, that's it. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, the Storm probably would have put 20-plus on everyone this week because you watch this game, and then if you watch the other seven after, it was like, this game set such a high standard. And the, when you watch Night Storm up, the Sharks after, and they say, you're like, oh, wow, that's round one rugby league. How the Sharks I mean, playing. Watching, I watched most of the round. I missed the Sunday games, but... So I watched this game, and obviously it was a really, really good standard rugby league, like for round one. And even I was pretty impressed, even with the the Knights game. Um, and then you had Rabbitohs Roosters straight after, and you're like three pretty good games of rugby league for round one. But it definitely dropped off a lot once you got to like the Tigers game. Um, watching the yeah. Bulldogs play, like there was there was definitely some round one performances in the rest of the teams. I didn't think the Knights um, Sharks game was that bad for a round one game. It was, it was a scrappy one, but it was competitive. That's what made that. It was a lot of moments in that game. So that's what was oh, more entertaining. It was like, it had a good finish for like, you know, people watching it that weren't either of the fans. So I, yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you're looking for, isn't it? But like, yeah, anyway, for, back back onto us in this game. I mean, the Storm, we didn't touch the ball for the first seven or eight minutes. That's not generally, you know, how you want to start a game. And that's just that's perfect a- for this Storm. It's not conducive to winning, um, not touching the ball. No. You kind of want to touch the ball a bit. <laughs> no. Yeah, you kind of do. 
yeah, I just... So, after this game, I was like, you know, for years I've always been, like, positive on the team. And, you know, oh, you know, give it some time, this and that. And then I was just like, I think the most depressing thing... Well, there's a few. There's actually a lot. But yeah. is when, when you see all of Seabold's coaching last year and, like, all the complaints people had of, like, things he's, like, I guess, I don't know if you'd say set about, like, his bench use is a problem. Mm. And then when you just see round one, bang up, new team, like, this is supposed to be the new direction. And he's got one of the best benches in the, well, the best bench in the comp. And he still just buggers it up. And, you like, that's so depressing to me. Just that. that was depressing. That was, um, and it's also then you watch the South game and Wayne did use the bench. It didn't matter who the warm bodies were. I mean, last year you could excuse the way Seabold's bench used because South's bench was so poor. But in this game, he used Flipper for nine minutes, who you know, had a pretty decent impact. He used Flipper for nine minutes, only nine minutes in the first half. Uh, Stags played, the, that one's unlucky. Stags played 75 for, for Roberts. But then Fafita came on the edge in the 50th minute, and the only other guy, like, okay, Pang guy played 50, but it's not about the minutes of that. It's more how they were rotated. It was like we looked gassed the entire game. <laughs> yeah, like, Sewer should have been subbed off, like, 20 minutes in. Gillette should have been subbed off. Like, I just don't get it. And, and so then, like, that combined with like, cause yeah, normally I try to be like positive and you like on something like Boyd, you'd be like, oh, I'll give him a few weeks. Let's see nah. how it goes. You know? <laughs> and, and then I was just like, after like two days after the game, cause I was like positive on all of it, you know, like, oh, you know, we'll see how Nicarima goes again. And then I was like, no, nah, I'm just, I'm so over. I'm over Boyd. I'm done with Nico. I'm done with Gillette. I'm done with Sewer and probably even Macca. I'm like just half <laughs> of the team is just trash. I'm like, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of just buggering up basic shit that no other team seems to have a problem with but we do yeah i mean the boyd stuff is like the first 20 odd minutes i thought okay okay he's one into it okay you put his body on the line at one moment period two and i thought oh he's might be going all right but then i think the same thing as you did the next day i realized I was like wait he made every single storm kick and they weren't that good the kicks but like he's just never in position anymore and then he never attacks the ball. We start all of our sets. If he if he's returning the kick, essentially we start all of our sets in our own ten. And then like the giving up on the Bromwich thing. And I don't care if he's dumping or not. Take something, something. At least hit the other. It's just something. But hit hit Bromwich. You take the ball right. And then it's just uh, I didn't do anything. Attack. He killed me. And then the the Nick Raymond thing was same stuff. We we raised last week. We were a good team, but it was questions. Haven't answered, and those same questions. I know it's one game, they haven't improved at all. That was mainly Boyd and Nicaragua. That Nicaragua, when the team is down, yes, he had some nice ball and moments running the ball. Kicking was disgraceful. It was absolutely from him. And then his defense was, and weren't his reads that caused those two easy line breaks and tries. But they don't happen if the smallest puck ever is standing where he is. Yeah, I mean, Darius Boyd is to full backing what Matt Gillette is to like middle forwards. That's just where he is at the moment. And you know, Nickarim is not any better at his position. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know. We spoke last week that we don't think that we we all we wrote the Gillette thing off straight away, and we couldn't have been you know we're wrong often, but we couldn't have been all right on that. He was disgraceful in the middle. I don't care what you look at. I don't care. He worked hard. 
He's a rugby league player. You play civilian and civilian, you work hard. He did work hard. He worked hard in defence, but he could not have been more allergic to carting the ball and looked less interested in running the ball. Hey. He just made runs like he does on the edge. Like he stumbles infield and just kind of runs sideways and and just submits in a tackle. And he's like... Yeah, it was just uh, bad. Josh McGuire, Josh McGuire died for this. Like... You know. <laughs> Like he had, you know, he played 90 minutes, so 70 minutes on the edge, and he only run the ball eight times, and he only made 50 meters off those. Like that's just, disgraceful. Like, how are you a middle forward, and you just like sets and after set goes by, and you don't have a run? Like, do you just sit? Like, I don't know what he thinks. Is he's like, oh, this is interesting. Like, yeah, like do something. And it's not exactly like his extra defensive work was saving energy for the other blokes, either. Yeah, it's. The whole thing's rubbish. It is. And you saw the immediate impact when, when Pangai was on the field, generally. I thought, anyway, better running the ball, lots of handy runs. You know, he had 19 runs. He worked his ass off with the ball in hand. I don't care about the defense. He did well. He worked on defense too, but a couple of offloads. And we only scored when Pangai was on the field. Like, that's the, you know that's just the impact he brings and the role he should be in. And I don't, like, me and you have never been Gillette lovers, but I'm absolutely fine with him on the edge. But that middle stuff, I mean, if we're going through four weeks of this, it's like, mate, we're starting on the back foot every game until – even if it, that's if it does end in four weeks when Haas is back, but it's not ending this week. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I just think burn the team down and pick, like, four people out of it and start again. <laughs> and, and like, it's one of those things, like, this is one of those coincidence stats. It's a coincidence, but Gillette actually is not bad against Nicarema, but – and then – with using those two in the lineup, so in 2017, those who started next to each other, Nikurima half and Gillette on the edge, it was 11 wins and one loss for us. And then last year was two wins and three losses, but a total of 13 wins and four losses in that combination. And it's not saying that combination is going to turn around our fortune in general, but the best thing about Gillette is his desperation defense, in my opinion. And his ability to cover for Nikurima is why that combination kind of worked. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he just doesn't let... Like, Sua got caught napping when they scored their first try through that gap with any... And the Fafita kind of out of position too when they scored the one that we... With Jesse Bromwich, Dart, uh, Dami, Darius. And that just didn't happen with Gillette. I mean, Sua got caught napping all game. Like, he was literally napping on the field. That's it. There's a guy, like, I understand we've been being patient, give him a chance, all that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, again, we said this last year. You had that five good games or so before that were like, mate, it's about time he showed us something. And I don't understand how he got named to start and the condition he was in because he looked the most gassed of anybody on the field for his entire stint. And he's been benched this week, which is fair enough. He has definitely wasn't there last week. But it's like, mate, you knew he was injured in preseason, season uh, You barely played him in the trials. What were you thinking, thinking he was up to play the story in that condition? Oh, he was the only player all weekend more out of shape than Greg Inglis. Um, he was. Like, and, oh, but master coach, mate. Seabell's yeah. the master coach. And we talk about, you know, again, coincidental stats, and this is some coincidence as well, but it's like Sua is the only Bronco real, like, not the only, but one of the only Broncos who's played over 20 games as a losing record. You know, that's it. He has a losing record. Like, he, it was just, a, it's just the, the same things we were worried about are just the same things. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've, like, Sewer's won, what, 39% of his games as a Bronco. Like, that just doesn't happen. We have, like, one season ever losing more games than we won. 
that's all right. That's changed this week. There was positives, though. The positives, I thought, and it's unfortunate, he suspended. I thought Matt Lodge was quite solid in the game. I thought he had a good game. I thought Pangai was good on the game. I thought Flegler brought some intensity in his 10 minutes. He was also pretty tired, but he, he was throwing his body around. Stag stood in well for Robinson this week, so that's not a worry. But I thought the best best sign was Jack Bird's performance. I don't know about you, but I thought that, despite that drop ball. I mean, people were very happy to jump on that how bad he is because of last year and then the first drop ball. But realistically, he was probably one of our better players. I thought he was great. Um, but it's just very easy to just bash him, like slag him off because he's Jack Bird and, you know, what the Broncos' experience has been so far for him. But I thought he was good. Mate, he worked his bloody ass off. And, like, he was one of the ones, he's maligned for the shape he's in and he wasn't fit last year. But he was in, I know he he'll never look like an Adonis. You know that. But he was in tip-top shape. I mean, he he, he made, when he carted the ball 17 times, for a centre is... Shows you're working your ass off. He, he carried the ball out of my goal twice. Matic desperation tackles. Like, pretty much same players. And then he also set up Oates for one. And he made the right decision with the ball here a couple of times. He went left and he didn't just throw it Oates. Some of the, and also he didn't hog the ball as well. He, he brought Oates in a couple of times as well. But I, I like sometimes in the past I've either had guys who never gave it to Oates or I threw it to him and he got over the side. Situation. I thought Bird had a, a really solid game. And I thought, uh, alongside Oates, he was our best player on the day. Yeah, I mean, what a surprise that a representative level centre was like able to have a good game when they're in like decent shape. Yeah, I know. And and me and you have not been fans of the signing, but you know, potentially if he plays like that every week, I'll be I'll be ecstatic. He was, he was as solid as, you, as as you'd want, bar that drop off at the turn of Barley. And then the the, the uh, raised with McCulloch. We've we've been patient on him. He's a player that for Broncos it's quite funny. For a long time there all Broncos fans loved him. And I know personally I didn't like him until about twenty six twenty seventeen. And then now yeah. it's like I know it was one game, but you're already thinking, geez, what's he if we're gonna start this new quick play the ball thing with trying to get quick play the balls, I mean, what's the point of playing the ball quick when the ball kind of McCulloch? <laughs> like the thing I th- I'm just super done with is McCulloch for eighty. Like I'm happy yes. if he plays fifty. Um, I love because, him for fifty. Love him for fifty. Yeah, like realistically, that last twenty or thirty is when you can make the most. Especially if you've got a French, uh, a fresh, sorry, Nicarima coming off the bench, you can make a lot of like you can get some quick play the balls easily and actually do something with that in that mm. last twenty and thirty. Whereas you know it's not as much as going to happen in the first half. So. I mean, I, I don't think McCulloch's really as bad a hooker as most other people think, but I'm just done with him for being an 80-minute hooker. Yeah, I think you've nailed that better than I have, actually. You're, you're right there. I don't think he's bad. I don't want to replace him. And he's and he still works. He's, he's a good leader, one of the few good leaders. Works his ass off, all that kind of jazz. But his service does fade with, with fatigue. And we've already seen it. I know it's been a long time, but we like that that hybrid of the McCulloch Nick Bremer hybrid hookup was the best hookup we've had probably in Broncos history. Oh yeah, definitely better than Kevin Walters. <laughs> but uh, you mean Karen? <laughs> oh, all of them. I can't remember back that far. That's forever ago. 
Bottle of Walters is, is, is. <laughs> Yeah, they're all they're all as bad as Kevin, so you know. <laughs> But yeah, you know, that's it. And then I I just Yeah, it well, there was good sort parts the best song was probably how we hung into the hung in the game. But there's the same worries that we had in preseason, and I'm the same as you. It was like I was preaching patience on the night, and I am still patient. But I think because we're getting so sick of it last year and the year before already with Nicarima, I'm up like I'm up to my guts sick of Nicarima at seven. Oh, end season form already. Like as far as complaining, yeah, it's, it's like, just like it's just picked right up where we left off, and it's just now we've just snapped and it's like, no, nah, this is it. We can't, That's I can't it. do another season of this. <laughs> Something well, has to happen. We preach patience with Boyd more than most people. And we even, I said last week, I said, I won't be okay. Let's give him five weeks and see what he's got there. But if I get another game like last Thursday, I might get him like, out myself. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I don't know what you do, but something has to be done about him and Nicarima is the main two. Like, yeah. If you've got a psycho and if you've got, say, O'Sullivan or someone even half decent playing, like, if you've got three of your four spine are really good and McCulloch's still playing 80, he's like, yeah, whatever. Like, we've still got. Your starting set's so much better with Osako at the back. Yeah. Just everything just works better then. Like, yeah. 100%. Yep. 100%. Like, the games are all about fullback for returning kicks, but it's a little about it. You know? We have none of that in the moment. Just, I'd just, say it's about one thirteenth about that. Yeah, you know, I just we start, and I know we have good yardage guys in in uh, Oates and in in Nasako on the wings, but it's kind of like once you add Boyd not returning it well, to us only making fifty meters in the set, kicking from our own forty, and if Nick and if Nick Arena kicks it, kicks from our own halfway, we know they are starting their next set at their thirty at, at worst, and it's just not, yeah, well, yeah, it's. Midfield bomb, like it's not going down to the goal line. It's not, and and it leads a game of, of possession and territory. And when you're turning over possession and territory like that, you just not you just not. Just yeah. Anyway, um, Storm. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to say about. It. Everyone knows anything about Storm. I want to talk about them much more. Is there any other signs from this game you liked or things you enjoyed or should talk about before we move on? I just love that the best positive we can all take out of it is, oh, at least we didn't get flogged too badly. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, how good is rugby league when that's, like, what we're loving at the moment? And, and that's the thing. We're not saying we we didn't play bad, which is true, but we're only being hypercritical because it's just the same things. That's it. It is. And if what's the point of change from, you know, if nothing's going to change with it. And I know change takes time. But when Seaball came to the South last year, yes, he did, did start poorly and we might turn it around. But he did make the immediate lineup. He started cool. You know, that was his hooker. He did bring in Johnson and move English to the centre. He made those changes from day one. It wasn't this, oh, ease it in and wait for the fails. He had the balls to make those calls and, you know, hopefully he has the balls to make them here. And he has sure after starting him last week. But we've still got to see this week, as we'll get to, we're still seeing Darius Boyd at well, we're still seeing Nico at seven. We're still seeing Matt Jordan at one. You know, it's just yeah. it's just hard to be positive about the long term future until that changes. I know you just like what like what's going to happen. You just there's no oh yeah, <laughs> you can't get excited yeah. looking forward really if you've got these people still in there where they are. Yeah, exactly. And and um, there was there was something I think Brad Fielder touched on it too. He already called that we should change finally some of the media with the balls to have a Nicarima because generally it's one of those things that me- the media seem to be much higher on Nico than. Like we are, or coaches are, you know, he plays for New Zealand, all that rubbish. 
he just he, he went on to say he doesn't think they have the composure with the halves that he said, you know, he's, he's the direct question to do. He hooked that Cam Smith, who's the master of being composed. He throws the big pass on dummy half and the ball goes over there. Then he goes to the middle and the ball gets back there. He goes, you know, whatever. They don't do that. They're running around with their heads flying everywhere, watching the ball, not thinking about the next plane with the ball in the game. They don't have that in them. Sean O'Sullivan, he's on the extended bench. He's a top of player. Now, the reason why I want to touch on what Britt Fitness said, a lot of it was dribble, but the one thing he didn't know is that when he said he's playing everywhere, watching the ball, not thinking about the next play or whether the ball needs to be in two tackles. I thought that was very evident on Thursday night. We had a couple of sets of, like, we just chucked the ball infield. Milf and Nico were guilty of it. And then just hoped someone else would figure it out. Did you notice that? So it was really weird flat-footed set to, like, tackle three or four. We're just like... I don't know what's happening. The same was like, we don't know what we're supposed to do with this happening. Yeah. That, that, that's very, I thought that's a, that's a very apt description of them. And that's also a, a diamond on Boyd, Mr. You know, experienced fullback steering teams around, and then McCulloch as well. Well, I mean, Boyd said there's so much more to, you know, being a fullback than barking orders. So clearly he's busy doing other stuff because he's not doing that. No, exactly. And I, and I know there was that one period of the game we did look good, but we we're getting a roll on. But it, it, it was that was the exact thing that the Storm did. I know that Kane's been the player they have and whatever, but they immediately turned at their key playmakers. And I know in a lot of occasions when you're on the back foot, it's for jobs to lay the platform, all that business, whatever. But when you've got a spawn like ours, it is probably, you know, a cumulative $3 million or something. You know, you've got a guy who's played for Queensland at nine in public. You've got the New Zealand halfback. You've got another guy who's played for Queensland at six. And you've got... You know, an Australian, a former Australian and Queensland to pull back. Those guys should have enough of them to also know how to turn games, not wait for them to get on top. You know, that's something that Cam Smith and guys on the storm, even Cam Munster, they don't just let that happen. If they're getting dominated, they do something themselves. Yeah, I imagine that the actual squad we have is like so much better than the squad the Storm have. Imagine if you if you just swapped out, like, obviously, Smith's better than McCulloch, but you swap out those two players, the way Smith would use this side is, like, it'd be unbeatable because he just knows how to run a game, and that's yep. something we can't do despite the fact, like you said, like, your four spine players, I mean, what... Nick Arima always seems to be a bit like Bradbury to get into the Kiwi 7, but... Yep. Milford should be able to do. I mean, he's obviously every you know every year he's better at it, but he does do it sometimes too. He does, but it's like he yeah, can't always be one of them. <laughs> yeah, and McCulloch has played a billion games. He should be able to like control a game more than he does. Boyd is the most experienced out of all of them as far as rep football and all that. Like, and he's played fullback everywhere. He should be able to do more than he does than like just limp over to a rolling ball that's like landed 38 metres away from him because he can't read the play like yeah yeah and and McCulloch kick the goddamn ball <laughs> like come on use some of your downfield kicking right like I don't understand that like I under, like it's been so long we know he has a good downfield kick we know we've seen him sometimes you go pre game in the warm up McCulloch's like snapping 40 20s the whole warm up where is it in the game? When we have some of those sets or being from midfield, mate, just pop it into the corner. No, you all, you, you, the guy's got 200 games under your belt with the ball in your hands. You have your ball in the hands more than anyone else in the pitch. At some point, you, you just kick it. Don't, don't just throw it at Nico and hope he does something. Recognise that those kicking has been dreadful all night. I'll do it. 
I mean, Nikorima should honestly have a ban on him to touch the ball on the fifth set. Oh, he just should. Like, I, I, I die inside every time we, like, end up on last tackle on the right-hand side of the field. Like, well, Nikorima's going to kick this one. <laughs> this, is, this, it, is, this is going nowhere. Like, honestly, just throw it out and start with a scrum. Like, we, we can kind of set our line a bit. Like We can't have a rest, yeah. But, like, give that, make a Sarko kick it. Somebody else. Oh, just just yeah. have a shot at field goal. Like, maybe one will go over eventually, like, from Asako, and we'll get a point every now and yeah. then. Yeah, and now we've got the well, Sean O'Sullivan, I guess. last The one big, big difference between last year and this year is that we do have someone who is potential competition for Nicarima at the seven, and that is Sean O'Sullivan. And whilst he was injured, he didn't play last weekend. Uh, yes, well, I don't think he's played Q-Cup yet. He's been named this weekend in Q-Cup, but at least that means he's fit again. And potentially, he is the guy who could so I don't think we're going to throw maybe with Dearden in I don't think we're going to throw an 18 year old in and Dearden will pay so um, kind of but at least this year we have some and that we know like he's on paper the exact type of half that's supposed to play with Wilson and I guess that is the one positive that if if, if Dreamer and Boyd goes poorly it just it can't last because <laughs> that's it no I mean I'll burn something down if it does I yeah, don't know anyway. what yet, but we'll do something. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the preview. We have, we've done, we've covered enough of the issues of last week's game, and they'll probably touch on the same issues again in the preview of this week's game. I anyway. mean, all those Knights fans that are tuning in to listen to, a, you know, a recap of a loss, they got their money's worth. They did. They did. Anyway, on to this Friday night at Suncorp Stadium, uh, 6.55 in, in Brisbane, 7.55 in the rest of the country-ish, uh, and probably kick off at half an hour after that seems. Anyway, the Brisbane Broncos take on the North Queensland Cowboys at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, the hit record between the two, it's the Broncos, 52 games played, the Broncos 32 wins, the Cowboys 10 wins and four draws. And in the last couple, well, we know we won the last one up there. Uh, sorry, they won the last one up there back in the last year. We won uh, early in the season last year. I think pretty much probably the last few years. I think I those uh, the Um, you just cut out a bit at the end there, but... Did I? Teamless. Yeah. Let's go to the teamless. Hopefully you can hear me again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, righto. So for the Broncos at the back, we've got Darius Boyd again. How great. Uh, Corey Oates and James Roberts is also named... Well, he'll be on the right, sorry, but he's named back again, so hopefully he's all good. Jack Bird and then Jermaine Asako make up the other two. Obviously, I've stuffed that up royally, but whatever. <laughs> There's people on the back line. <laughs> they're, they're the people back there, and they'll play wherever they want to play because who really cares? There's nothing that this means anything. So, you know, whatever. Um, Anthony Milford is the 5'8", and Cody Nickarim is the halfback. The forwards, Davida Pango Jr. is named to start with, obviously, Lodge out. Joe Offahengawi, Andrew McCulloch, the hooker. Alex Glenn, David Fafita is starting, which is great uh, in the second row, and then Matt Gillette somehow lock again. Uh, interchange of Katoni Staggs, Jaden Sewer, Thomas Flegler, and Sean Fensom. And then reserves is Patrick Carrigan, Patrick Margo, Richard Kenner, and Jamat Shibasaki. Yep, uh, let's get on to the Cowboys back line. At fullback, Jordan Kahu. On the wings, Nana McDonald and Jarvid Bowen. You'll have Nene line up on their left with Jarvid on the right, off felt spot. And then in the centres, We've got Jason O'Neill and Tom Opacek. Uh O'Neill did play on the left with Opacek on the right last week. Uh, in the halves, you've got Tamari Martin and Mark Morgan. Uh, the forwards, as their name, is Matt Scott and Jordan McLean up front with Jake Manville. And uh, Tamalolo, the other middle at the lock in the lock there. 
and the edge is named uh, Kevin Cooper and Cohen Hess. Uh, the bench is John Asiata, Josh Maguire, Mitchell Dunn, and Frank Molo. With the reserves, Ben Hampton, Jake Griffith, Corey Jenkins, and Ari Tuala. I would expect, though, them to start the same way they started last week, which is Josh Maguire to start at lock, Tamaloto to play 20 minutes on that left edge, and Tamaloto to middle with Kevin uh, Cooper coming off the bench there. Yeah, um, well, their back line's really a who's who of reserve graders, so... I mean, it is, and that's Broncos not great. Yeah. yeah, it's not. Oh, Bowen, Opechek, O'Neill, McDonald. What what a list. I mean, I don't, I don't wish injury upon them, but considering how many times we've had Opechek and Jordan Kahu go, go injured and gads against the Cowboys, I think every time they ever play the Cowboys, they always... Like, oh, they it'll be... It'll be one of them will be injuring one of our backs. Like that's just how it's going to happen. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really strange bench from um from uh, uh what am I saying? Strange bench from uh why have I lost my words? Uh, Paul Green. He's going to he's got Asiata, Maguire, Dunn, and Molo. So I guess say if they lost an outside back, I guess they'd reshuffle with like Tamari Martin going to fullback and Kahu sliding somewhere and Asiata the halfback. I guess but he hasn't really got a very a very good coverage for a. Uh, for a guy with an injury-prone back line now. Oh, well, it's only round two. He's going to learn pretty soon. When you've got Kahu, O'Neill, and Opechek in there, like, one of them's going down every 80 minutes, probably. Yeah, I mean, we remember the pain of a couple of years ago when we had, um, you know, we had Alex Glenn was filling out in the centres. I mean, we, we had it, we even had, we played the Cowboys. We had that game when Glenn went out there, but we also had the game when Opechek made Justin O'Neill look good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was yeah. a great game. Got him a Queensland jersey. Yeah, um... <laughs> So obviously Matthew Lodge is the big out in this game, and Matt Gillett at lock. I mean, you look at it, you're like, geez, if Gillett's supposed to be the one task of stopping Tamalolo, <laughs> just give up now. But Tamalolo will start on that edge, and I know he's starting on that edge, but he's honestly limited. He's a, he's damage limited on that edge. If you watched last week's game, the first 18 minutes, he was piss weak on the edge. He doesn't know how to run lines. And then same thing when he was younger. If you remember before, he moved being a lock in the middle. He was an edge for the people who wasted his potential because nothing was happening for him. And obviously, he's the best middle in the competition. He's the best player in the competition alongside Cantu for me. He's in the middle. But I'm, I'm okay with him starting on the edge, even though it's running at Nico. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the Cowboys were, like, straight-up trash the first half last week, you know, like, when he was out there. And he just... Yeah, I, I'm not super worried about that. It's like, we've seen every game when he comes on, and, like, he probably will do this again, like, second half, when he comes back on in the middle and just destroys every team. It doesn't matter, like, doesn't matter which team they're playing. No, he, he comes back on the field, and he just destroys the middle. And obviously you've got, you know, JT half, was half a decent player when he played for them the last few years, but Tamalolo was just as much a reason why, like, they kept coming back against every team every week. Like, and it just wouldn't matter. You know, it's yeah, the work he's doing. Yeah, exactly, 100%. I mean, if, and for this game coming up, I'm, you know, obviously we just, we just shut on the team a lot just now, but I'm actually far more positive about the chances of winning this game because we're a much better team on the home deck, and the home deck more has to do with, like, Milford's more, not not twice a day, but one and a half times a day at home. Like, we can take over a little, and, our, and our, our team's just better at home. We just have been, we're better on that side. Yes, except for against Storm. And we live for the Cowboys. So I think it will, will be in this game. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm about as positive as I can be of a Cowboys matchup going into it. 
Yeah, I just hope, like, if we're going to lose, just make it super embarrassing for Gillette. Just, like, we've got to get something out of it. Oh, you're right. If we're going to lose, um, you, you want it to be through... I mean, the obvious routes, anyway. The obvious routes of us losing is Nicarima, Boyd, and Gillette. If we're going to lose, you'd hope, like, okay, let's hope Gillette bomb, bombs out or something, you know, something happens. Yeah, just, just something, like, just some disaster that involves all three of them somehow yeah. i don't know how I don't, I don't know that scenario like i haven't thought it up but just something yeah i really like the idea of Opacek lining up on roberts by the way for us so hopefully roberts is fit and if not i still like the idea of stags taking him on because you know we're in a bit of a luxury now that i'm actually not too upset if roberts has to miss the game because stags is a quality player too oh yeah and i don't know if i don't know if you touched on this but stags was really good in in the storm game when he obviously he had was. to play like most of it um as much as, you know, it sucks when a back goes down, but I I don't think we really, like, obviously you don't know if Roberts is going to, like, make a play, like, that results in a try. He, he has that ability. But, yeah, I thought Staggs was great. And, yeah, I mean, if, if Roberts or Bird or someone is out of the game and you have to put Staggs in there, I just, I'm just as happy with that as either of them, really. Like, Staggs is great. He is great, and I think that's one thing you mentioned earlier. Is that we actually have a quality squad, and that's why some of this stuff, this simple stuff, is annoying. Seeing how wrong it is, but you know, you look at it now, and it's like we're missing two forwards. We still have a pretty good pack, and you know, we've still got now. If, if, if Roberts is out, we now have uh, Stags to start there, and then if if someone else is out again, we now have you know Jemach uh, Sibisaki can play the centers as well, or Richie Kennard's a pretty good backup winger to come in, or there's even Herbie Farnworth. Who, I don't know if anyone's seen him play, but I've watched his kick up so far, and he looks like he, he's something special as well. Herbie Farnworth, a great name, by the way, for a young winger. Herbie and Farn, two sensational. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolute banger of a name. Um, well, actually, as far as Ipecek goes, I'd probably prefer Stags on him. I mean, Roberts could definitely carve him up because he's got about as much sideways movement as Jack Reed did. But I could just definitely see Stags just like fending him off all night long. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Stags is a obviously Roberts is a better player than Stags, but I like there's some things about Stags that Roberts doesn't have, and that's a bit, a bit more. What would I say, I don't know. He has a bit more of a passing game or a better way of bringing other players into the game. You know, he, he generally when it looks like it on the outside and offload very often, yeah. which which is exactly what you want on someone like Opacek. Yeah. But, uh, yep. Well, if you didn't know about Herbie Farmworth, just interesting story anyway. He's um. He's a Pommy. The Pommy young back is rare, but uh, he was actually a United player. He's 19, but he was a Man United youth player, and then he went to uh, Burnley United and I think uh, Wigan. I can't remember, but yeah, that ended up. Someone ended up over here, but he was a <coughs> a youth type of player for United. But yeah, he's he's another option we have in depth on the wing, and I've watched him play a few games, and I'm surprised that he's English because he. He's, he uh, moves really well. He's a young Gareth Bale as well. <laughs> he has good, good speed on him. Yeah, well, I look forward to the commentators never mentioning that fact 13 times a game. Yeah, I know. Well, I've, I've said it now, so you're going to hear it forever. You know, oh, what, yeah, what yeah. would it be? The Red Devils, something about that. Red Devils to, to Red Hill. I think I've read that as a headline, actually. Feels like <laughs> I've stolen that out of my head. Yeah. Just, be, speaking, just speaking about facts, though, that the commentators don't mention much. Did you know... Damien Cook used to be a beach sprinter. Really? Yeah, Damien. apparently. <laughs> that, that's why he was so effective at the SCG the other night. 
There you go. Oh, wait. It was a, there was one Dale, like Dale Copley was like a good baseball player, but it's funny baseball sign is just we never heard about that one. Remember that time Dan and Kemp like the ball got passed to his feet and he like trapped it then kicked it through. Yeah, we scored. And then, oh, Manny yeah, Jones yeah. loved it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I used to play soccer. Yeah, he playing that. And it's like, yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. yeah, he playing for someone to throw the ball to his feet. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That was um, when Manny Jones used to be on uh, Channel 9 sideline with the I'm too large and the greasy cohort gel going on. <laughs> Terrible hair. Oh, yeah. But in this game, I mean, it's just one of the classic Cowboys games. I'm actually pretty happy that people didn't like it originally, but this is the situation that I actually is that we've now lost, you know, we've lost Payne Haas and Matt Lodge. And you don't want to go to another youngster on the bench, in my opinion. So I actually like the idea of fencing in this game, defensively, and you're not too bad, not too afraid of cutting the ball. And, you know, in the end, the guy doesn't use the bench anyway. So it will be very interesting to see what the bench uses this week. You know, has to have gone back to the bench to be a bench middle. You know, he's flicking going to see more than 10 minutes. He's fencing going to play 30 minutes. But we certainly can't go against this cowboy pack, in my opinion have Gillette play 70 in the middle. I just don't think he's up to it physically against you know, the likes of Tal Bolo, Scott, uh, and Wayne, plus and Asiato. I mean, I look forward to giving that a red-hot crack. I just look forward to, you know, Gillette playing 70 minutes and then Tamalolo coming off the bench 55 minutes in and just steamrolling him. Yeah, well, I mean, the main hope for Tamalolo is kind of what happened in round two last year, if you remember. I can't remember my exact number, but it was either... It was all but one or two of Tamalolo's runs. Pangai hit him. So our main hope in this game is that Pangai plays the big minutes and Pangai has that laser line up on, on Tamalolo to prove a point. And I think he will because we do know Pangai likes playing in front of that home crowd and likes proving a point. And I think you know, his chance back in the starting lineup doesn't be disappointing. You got to teach some respect to this like supposed King of Tonga. Show him who the real King of Tonga is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right, mate. Mate, do the old Julius Caesar to him and stab him in the back. That's what we care. <laughs> just do the Corey Parker, mate, move and just be like, I did. I demand you show me some respect, mate. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's just a pretty yeah. simple one. This is the game we won and lost in the air, as we know it will be. It'll be Pangai's performance in the middle if he can lift it and, it would, and really power that middle through. It'll be that right-edge defensive channel around Nicarima, you know. No, no Thurston kind of helps it. There's no Thurston to send Cooper Conk for everything time. It's great. And then it'll be one on, on, on the end of our set. So the, the kicking game from the Cowboys from Michael Morgan has actually got is actually quite good. So we've got to see what Nick Brent thinks. And then also the start of our sets with it. It's just it's a lot of questions for us to answer and they're questions that we have to answer more than this week. Unfortunately those are the areas where we don't lose this game on. Yeah, well I'm looking forward to, you know, Darius Boyd making Michael Morgan look like the reincarnation of Darren Lockyer merged with Andrew Johns. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. It's going to be great. But any finding grass on every kick. Like, there was, there was one kick after Jerome Hughes just kicked it down in the middle of the field. Do you remember that one? Just kicked it down the middle of the field with no hope. And then it somehow bounced and rolled through our goal line. And it's like, no, I was just, where the fuck are you? You're not fast anymore. You're nothing else. You're, always, you're supposed to be a student of the game. And the only thing you should be good for now is positioning. And he's not even there. I just, oh, whatever. We'll see what happens this week. And I mean, like, it's, yeah, he should be able to position himself. You watched Billy Slater a year or two go, like, even when he slowed down a little bit from what he was. But when you watch him live, he's just standing in a spot and, like, three plays later they kick the ball and it just kicks straight to him on the chest and he doesn't have to move. Like, yeah. that's his positioning. And Darius Boyd is, like, literally 
half a field away from where the ball's landing. Yeah, and he never shows much urgency to get there either. It's like the big difference, again, like you saw someone like uh, Nicol Clock's bad debut for the, the Raiders on Sunday. And whilst he didn't get to everything on the full, he motored to them. And then the moment he hit that ball, he, he, his, his return was with the same speed. He ran to the ball, and, you know, which is full belt the whole way. And they just started their sets effectively. Meanwhile, when we have Boyd who, like, dawdles over, <laughs> thinks, do I really have to pick it up? He picks it up, comes back, and then we make we start on set our own five metres. And he's your captain. It's just not the perfect start to the set. That's what I said before about it's just annoying buggering up the simple stuff like that like yeah, you can have another team just get a rookie come in like some rookie shouldn't be able to like just be able to play fullback like that better than someone like Darius Boyd should be able to match that easy he should be and that's, that's annoying well luckily we do have on the other end it was one of the things we should test and not Nick Arima. if anyone's going to put some bombs up can Milford put up some Milford midfield bomb to Kahu and get him in, in aerial contest I think that's one thing we need to test as well to test Yardy out, like we know, not set the high balls, but know that he's not with people making yardage himself either, and we just know that sometimes in those clashes things happen. Yeah, I, once the ball goes up, if you contest it, like yeah, yeah. Anyway, any more comments you want to say about this game before we move on to the fan questions? No, nah. <laughs> oh, we, we totally just got match to thoughts, weekend. but whatever. Screw match thoughts for that storm game. We forgot about them. <laughs> There was 140, and I hadn't read any of them. I think, well, might as well just say it now, but I think normally in the future we'll just go through and just pick out the best ones. Cause yeah. I'll read the fan thoughts now. Episode. Uh, fan yeah. thoughts are Darius Boyd, get rid of him. <laughs> um, well, I saw one I saw one from Butsy888, and I think this kind of like is the feelings of everyone, and it just said sack everybody. And like, yeah, I can get behind that. <laughs> okay, Start with Paul White and work their way down. Um Righto, on Facebook from Johnny, there's only one here, but he said, with Sullivan injured and Co- and if Cody doesn't perform soon, who do you see taking over the number seven? Who misses out when Haas returns? Uh, well, I would love to see Sutlow Sullivan take the number seven. I mean, I don't understand what we brought him up for if he wasn't the next drop for now. The other guys have a lot of potential, but O'Sullivan is the um, is the incumbent, you know, backup for me. And then the other question, Haas onto the bench. Well, I think it's Flegler who loses his job. But if that's what happens, if the bench, you know, three of, you know, Stags and three of Haas uh, uh, and Sua or Fafida and Pangai or Gillette or something like that, none of those guys can play 10 minutes. That's when Seymour has to start adjusting that every one of those players has to play at least 20 or 30 minutes. So it'd be interesting then. Yeah, I doubt that's going to happen though. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, righto. Well, over on the Twitter now. Uh, there's one from Budu there that I'm not going to read. Whatever. <laughs> I, have a, <laughs> I have a guess of what it's about, yeah. Um, oh, he just said, is it... Because the tweet I put out was like, round two, Mitch and Simo, blah, 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 blah. And so he's like, is it Mitch or Simo talking about himself in the third person here? And oh, he's probably not going to listen anyway, so he's not going to know. Uh, from Corey Goats, he said, Last week I got in late with my Oats try prediction of 30 tries. I'd like to revise that to 48 tries. Thoughts? 50. 50. I, yeah, I mean, surely he's a lock to win, like, highest try scorer, right? Like, straight up two in round one. How many times <laughs> do we play the Bunnies? Do we play uh, them twice? It's only playing twice, but if we play them in the finals as well, you know, we might be able to rack up maybe 15 in those games, and then we'll go from yeah. there. Conservatively, 15. 
Uh, righto, from Osport Matters. Tamalolo playing left edge, left-hand edge. Reckon he could do the lads a favour and stomp on Nico's neck a bit. Take one for the team. Oh, <laughs> I, oh, I did not see. Well, I did not see was, where that was going. That was aggressive. But, uh, <laughs> that that uh, escalated ooh. very quickly. Ooh, ooh. Um, but, uh, but that one through to the keeper, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, from from Osport Matters again. He said, I'm 100% done with Boyd. He's not a modern fullback, and apparently round one is what finally recovered and feeling as fast as he was eight years ago, looks like. Oofed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, like, he, was a, he was a modern fullback. It was almost a typification with how he was another playmaker and his positioning and defense or whatever, whatever. But yes, currently he's no longer that. <laughs> Um, from Danny Boy, nineteen ninety-five, with his name is Jack DeFellon. It's a great name. Um, do we win by thirteen or thirty plus? Thirteen, thirteen plus, not thirty plus. Thirteen. We conservative. Don't don't want to make Nick Arima too happy. Uh, from GM Walker underscore on a scale of one to ten, how bad was the decision to start Sewer over Fafita? Oh, mate, I just it's just the decision to start Sewer in general. If it wasn't Gillard on that edge, you know, just the game could have been a whole different at the start if it was Gillard on the right edge and Pangite lock. Just that simple last week. And, and, yeah, the decision to start Sewer was as poor of a decision as Seabold could have made in his first game. Uh, from Fatboy95 underscore, he said... If you guys aren't talking shit about the Cowboys calling their players a bunch of frauds, especially their outside backs, and of course Broncos thirteen plus, then what are we even doing here? Yeah, well, I mean their backline—it's it, it's been safe from being the worst in the competition because somehow the Manly and Bulldogs backlines are almost not even New South Wales Cup standard, but it's right down there. Oh, but there's so much quality in rugby league right now. Hey, mate, these, there's well, hey, there's some good players out there, but for some reason these teams don't have them. And I mean, you look at, again. We've, we talked about Paul Graham before, but it's like. Going back to Tom Opacek instead of playing someone like Nari I don't know. I mean, I'm happy Opacek's against us. That's great. <laughs> he owes us a couple of tries. Yeah, but this is I can never get excited about this. Like, as bad as they were for us, and, like, you just know they're going to have the best game they've ever played, right? Like, And next week we play the Dragons. Corey Norman and Ben Hunt are going to put on an absolute masterclass. Like, oh, I know that one. They're, get, they're getting in the Queensland side based off this game next week. Like, that's yeah. what's happening. And you just, it's just so stupid because none of these people are good players. And yet, <laughs> they're, they're all terrible, but they're going to just carve us, all of them. Do you remember last year when Tom Hopacek couldn't even jump? <laughs> like, when he, got, when he couldn't jump over the try line, it just fell oh. flat on the ground. Oh, God. But you're right, he might have a decent his game against. I'm more happy that it's not an out, he's not an out. He's not even an option. I was upset last year when we somehow re-signed him, and it was great news to find that he moved on. Yeah, I, it just they shouldn't be having those games against us. Uh, lastly, here from Butsy Triple Eight, Paul Kent has suggested Milford to play fullback. If Asako wasn't a factor, how successful would he be at the back? I am so sick of that take. It's one of those ones that Milford could be thirty-five and it happened again. I mean, Milford could be the best player in a grand final and would happen. Oh, wait, yeah. Simo, he was the best player in a grand final at 5 and it's still happening. Oh, don't make me mad about that, all right? <laughs> I just did, but it's like, he was, was a fullback for one year. You know, one year, and he was electric there, he was, but he's a different player now, he's matured, can defend in the line fine, has a great kicking game, has a good short passing game, whatever, whatever. 
he goes with the fullback at any point. He's going to be a letdown. People have set this huge bar about, of, of what fullback is going to be back there. But it's like, also, he goes to fullback. Who the who is the 5'8"? How is this miracle cure Milford fullback? Who is the 5'8"? Milford can play there as well. He can. Brilliant. I, mean, I hate that I, suggestion. I mean, I'd be happy for him to play fullback if it meant Darius Boyd isn't. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Darius Boyd 5'8". Sorted. There you go. It's like that dumb thing, like when you know all the competitors like dreaming of seeing Tamolo on the edge because he's so big, he's so good. And he went back to the edge last week, and then after twenty minutes, the competitors like, like they said, oh, he was pretty ineffectual on the edge, wasn't he? Yeah. Hey, I just what? don't get everyone's fascination with like putting somebody in a different position. Like if people are great on the edge, it's like, oh, put them in the middle, make them work. If they're great yeah. in the middle, it's like, oh, I just want to see them running at like halves and just see them damaging on the edge and like. If they're a fullback, let's move them to five eight. If they're five eight, move them to fullback. Like, just let people play football. Well, we spent like from like the first two years of this podcast, we kept telling fans to shut up about Corey Oates in the back row, and they finally shut up. But it's like again, the whole willingness to move who's probably the world's best winger, Corey Oates. What was what's going on? We have fullback rowers now. We don't want no, but Corey Oates is the winger. He wants to be back row. He's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, righto. Well, I just remembered I got a bottle of Coke in the freezer, so we should wrap this up because that's probably going to explode soon. <laughs> that's a big, that is a big incident. Well, we, we hit the hour-ish mark. Uh, not as many questions as, as usual, which is all right. It's the match. Well, yeah, well, um, if we win, you'll hear from before next week. I put out the tweet for questions like at the start of the podcast, so, you know, like find mid-season form from us. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly, mate. That'd be good from us. We're right into it. But hopefully uh, by the next time you hear us, I'll have a better microphone. Because uh, I do yeah. I feel sorry for people listening to this. I don't, know, I don't know if it sounds like a basement or, or a bathroom, but I know from testing myself already, not a great audio quality, but oh well. Yeah, I mean, it's not great and it cut out a few times, but I think we can get the gist of it. It'll be fine. That'll be it. Anyway, uh, Broncos 13 plus. We'll talk to you all soon. Yep, have a good one, mate.